Democrat Queen, you you've described me as a voter. It's it's I don't want to vote for I don't want to vote for Danielle Smith. I, I, I abhor the idea that I'm going to vote for the NDP. Um, the I, I fully intend to spend the next eight weeks or however long we have left bashing the Alberta party for <laughs> into for, something for, better <laughs> for fucking this up. Welcome back to Wound of A.B. Polly. I'm your host, Deirdre Mitchell-McLean. And I'm her spicy, as always, co-host, Kathleen Smith, a.k.a. Kiki Planet. And we have with us Lindsay Amantea, who's going to join us for the remainder of the election period in Alberta. Lindsay, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) It's going to get wild. It's going to get wild. It is. It is. And we are going to record on Thursday nights because that's the time that that people are available. So we're going to record on Thursday nights and we will have it out sometime on Fridays. And uh, our four hardcore fans are going to be thrilled. (laughs) (laughs) They absolutely are. I should have I should have mentioned that to them earlier as well. It'll Um, it'll be number five now because now you got my mom. Yes, this is true. Barb's back. (laughs) <laughs> That's great. We we love getting the moms. Mm-hmm. That's our vibe. <laughs> and so, of course, we had to come back. But we also got, I guess, lucky because my life is starting to even out just a little bit. Um, I got I got mom officially into a residence on Tuesday, which is going to make my life a little easier, a little less stress <laughs> on our Deirdre. Yeah, Just so very excited about Excellent. that. Now I can commit to, you know, at least one night a week. And Lindsay, for our audience who maybe doesn't, you know, doesn't isn't familiar with you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh dear. Um <laughs> I'm a lawyer, I'm a corporate lawyer in in Calgary, Alberta. Um, and so I practice downtown doing corporate mergers and acquisitions. And off the <laughs> side of my desk, I like to dabble. In in politics, I've been a political uh, campaigner for next year. It'll be 20 years. Yeah. Which uh, (laughs) makes me dabble. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I like to just throw things from the background. It's great. Um, So, yeah. So, no, it's I've worked uh, across the spectrum. Um, Every party, uh, both in Canada and the United States, um, at all levels of government. Nice. Yeah. So, so, and actually you can see, I still have my Clinton Kane sign that I got from Lindsay. I can see that. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Lindsay's got, Lindsay's got uh, her ear to the ground in a lot of, well, as she said, a lot of different parties. And that's always helpful when we're talking about, you know, political parties. So also we've got like a, a rounded panel here, right? Cause Lindsay's in Calgary. Mm-hmm. I'm in Edmonton, and you're kind of stuck out there in the bush. Yeah. So we can, you know, <laughs> discuss it from different perspectives. I'm excited about that. 
I don't think it's fair to make fun of Deirdre's bush. Yeah, <laughs> I do all the time. <laughs> what our oh, friendship is oh, based they're, on. They're, they're, they're so happy we're back. I can tell. Um, <laughs> I've already started drinking for the time. It's a long weekend. It's a long weekend. It's great. So I want to I want to start off with the fact that you know the the premiere gets a short week on a shitty shitty narrative going on with her Palowski video. Oh, my right, or her Palowski call, and so that starts. So it was Monday, wasn't it? It was Monday that she came out and said, "On the advice of lawyers, I'm not going to answer questions about this anymore." <laughs> Yeah, now she can't talk about shit that's before the courts. Yeah, yeah, now. Isn't that convenient? <laughs> now. Hmm. Now. What, I will, what I will say, though, is from, from an operations perspective, yes, it is a short week. Yes, it, you know, she gets only four days. But we're also going into a, a, a long weekend where families will be gathering um, yeah. for a variety of, of holidays in various religions. And you know, there's there's nothing uh, families love to talk about more than politics at the dinner <laughs> table, right? Am That's I right? right. And so, you know, despite the fact that it is a short week, it also uh, gives her less lead time to to really drive that narrative. And and we're gonna see the next four days of people having these conversations. And I think um, we'll see it reflected in the polling uh, next week. Yeah. Yeah. I think the most recent polling that we've seen this week um, it didn't really capture how this latest imprecise warning event may have af- affected our premier. I don't think it's really captured it, but um, even that having been said, the, the polls for the current government aren't looking great in Calgary. Now, that doesn't mean I get so frustrated. I get frustrated with people online because they see NDP 47% and UCP 44% province-wide, and they think this is a cakewalk for the NDP, while not considering that rural areas are going to vote UCP or maybe in some cases, WIP, uh, regardless. Like they, we've seen it online, even as more information comes out about the phone call. Did she meddle? Did she not meddle? Was this okay? Was it not okay? The the surprising number of replies don't, don't care. Going to vote for her anyways. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I'm voting for her well- anyways. And we look at the efficiency of those votes, right? And and I think that's what you were you were alluding to, Kathleen, is in in some ridings, and honestly, I'm going to say the majority of ridings, um, whether that's for the UCP or for the NDP, um, you know, we we have I'd say about 60 ridings or 62 ridings where it doesn't matter because the the, yeah. the outcome is so strong in in one direction right. that the you know a few people changing their vote over this isn't going to matter where it is going to matter is battleground calgary where it is going to matter is places like st albert yeah um where you might be able to push that from you know a leaning ndp to a a solid ndp riding and then that allows you as a party to be more efficient if you actually take that opportunity with your resources, mm-hmm. putting them towards, you know, 
you know, places like Calgary Foothills, where there is a real shot for the NDP. Right. Or, um, Elbow, or Northwest, Elbow. North, Northeast, any of those areas. Exactly. So you can, you can be, if either party is paying attention to efficient uh, resource allocation, and I'm not entirely sure I, I, I at this point either is, it can it can push some of these into very likely territory, allowing you to just, like I said, redeploy into those battleground ridings. Mm-hmm. And I am going to bring up, now we're not sure actually how long this is going to last because apparently there were there were some rumblings that we're not very happy with our uh, with our press release uh, with the Alberta Party today. That um, but I've taken on a contract to do help with comms, and so you know as, as someone else. Today? Yes, yes, we did. Then I heard some rumblings that maybe uh, they don't like to show teeth. And I'm like, what else are you going to do? Seriously, what do you got? You got 12 candidates. You're going to have to do something. <laughs> uh, and, so- you know, just as, a, just as a sidebar on that, my ire with the Alberta party, my my ire with the Alberta party is I really feel like, and this is just dispassionate observation, but I really feel like this could have been their election. Like if they had done the work over the past four years, if they'd really put in the groundwork, if they'd made a show, there's people in this province who are done with the UCP and won't mm-hmm. vote for for Danielle as leader. Mm-hmm. And there are people in this province who won't vote for the NDP again. And here's the Alberta party. Uh, the, I mean, it is... It's the dictionary definition of a centrist party, and they could have made big waves, and they just blew it all away. Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating. It's extremely frustrating to me that there was so much there they could have made good, and they just didn't. And so I'm sorry, but this election, I'm I'm not going to be defending that party when they're called the Twitter party. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh, there are there are complaints kind of from everywhere that are going. It was you guys had four years. You had four years, and you're coming into the election with twelve candidates. What, what the hell have you done for the last four years? But we know this. <laughs> As anyone who's familiar with the Alberta Party knows, and I'm not talking about the Greg Clark era because the Greg Clark era was the best era for that party. I mean, Greg Clark was a shining star. He was well liked. He was so inoffensive. He was almost offensive in his inoffensiveness. <laughs> If that makes sense at all, he would appreciate that. that, that <laughs> I can assure you. I you know, Kathleen, you you've described me as a voter. It's it's. I don't want to vote for. I don't want to vote for Danielle Smith. I, I abhor the idea that I'm going to vote for the NDP. Um, the I I fully intend to spend the next eight weeks or however long we have left bashing the Alberta Party for <laughs> into for, something for, better. for fucking this up yeah um because you're entirely correct i feel like this is just going to be a podcast of us agreeing for the next eight weeks um uh they had they have every opportunity they have every raw constituent part and they cannot get the ball off the ground it is entirely frustrating there is a large swath of the of the electorate who are pissed off 
about this who feel politically homeless we hear this over and over and over again in this province mm-hmm. who are waiting for them to get their act together and and show teeth all I want to see is teeth because that's the yeah. la- the only thing I haven't seen is any sort of to be frank any sort of drive to actually win an election yeah yeah I, I mean we start to wonder what the heck they're doing like, mm-hmm. what's your plan? Because at, at this about policy pool, in a in a in a back room with five people. Yeah, that's all it, he shows up. Well, that's exactly what it is. Well, there's sipping scotch and and smoking cigars. That's what we're dealing with. If yeah. Alberta politics, that like champagne centrists or what? Um, <laughs> not quite that fancy. No. <laughs> but if Alberta politics is a playground. The Alberta party at this point is the puddle of melted vanilla ice cream that fell off some kid's cone. That's basically (laughs) what they amount to at this point. And they're just not offering anything. I'm so glad I had a signed contract. (laughs) You're welcome. This is not a new rhetoric for me. I had the exact same response to the 2019 election. Mm -hmm. Um, It was an entirely missed opportunity. And and the province is worse off for it. Yes. To be be honest, the thing that drives me up the wall is that we're worse off for this. We're worse off for this dichotomy that's that's been created. We are going to have a two-party election. No one else is even polling remotely. I think that everyone realizes there are other parties, but they're not entirely sure that there are candidates, <laughs> which there aren't. Like, let's be fair. Um, but, like, we are worse off. Our system is meant for multiple parties. The yeah. best thing about Canadian politics is our multi- party system yeah you know for all i would love to make fun of jagmeet singh and the end the federal ndp we are better off for having a multi-party system to ha- for having a minority government for keeping each other in check in a civil way and we will not get that between no. danielle smith and rachel notley this is shaping up to be a bitter dirty and dirty it's going to be dirty and you know the the other thing that tends to happen and we i I, i'm almost viewing alberta politics now as a microcosm of this um of the american state you know it and it's all sort of seeping like a virus over the border which concerns me on the daily but what i've noticed is when you have just two parties you also end up with a heck of a lot more extremism because mm-hmm. the, the pendulum, instead of having, you know, one or two other parties just kind of slow the, the swing of the political pendulum, it is just crashing from side to side at this point. And that is not good whatsoever because uh, the, the further to the right, one party moves, the further to the left, the other party moves and the divide grows bigger and bigger. So the Alberta party has kind of screwed us all. The liberal party has kind of screwed us all by not being able to hold it together and make something with what they've got. Well, yeah. no, they, they've they've screwed it by by you know um, failing to occupy that space, yes. failing to to speak for those voters. Um, you know, I I laughed. You called this you know your your province your your problem um, <laughs> because I often say not my monkeys. 
right? Yeah. yeah. Not my circus. Well, this is my monkeys and this is my circus. And I'm not happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This one's all of ours to own. And it's yeah, really, is, these are our monkeys. it's really disappointing. And it's concerning for where we go from here, because I, I think if, if the last election didn't inspire these parties to get their proverbial shit together and get feet on the ground, uh, how is this one going to do it? And it, it becomes even worse when when you've got a two-party state like Alberta is becoming. This is now the second election we're going into as basically a two-party province. And that means people are going to start they're they're going to start personalizing that ideology, personalizing their votes even more. It becomes a habit, right? We've seen this with Albertans over decades. Voting conservative is a habit here. It's not even done with a lot of thought. But when you've got two parties and half the province votes one way and the other half the province votes the other way, and there's no middle ground where we can all come together it's harder with each election that happens to dig out from that because people will put their foot, people will put their feet in the soil and not move. Mm -hmm. And so that's concerning to me that we don't have these, these other options. I'm also worried about how we continue to um, inspire young people to get involved when we're in a, two party we're just fighting the other guys all the time system i well, I, I don't know not, how inspiring that is i i don't even know if it's the the fact that it's two parties necessarily i think it's the development of it's not they're not the opposite like we, we don't talk about each other as opposition we talk about each other as enemies as as bad guys and so you know it's it's his majesty's loyal opposition the role of opposition is important it is to hold the government to account it is an incredibly um wonderful and useful tool in our parliamentary system but in vilifying the other side or in vilifying a party for being in opposition mm -hmm. um i think you create a toxic environment where people or at least people from the outside are looking at this and thinking how do you people even stand to be in a room with each other the things you say about each other which yeah. is which is unfortunate because you know i have so many friends again across the political spectrum you know i i I would hate to think that we we can't, you know, continue those friendships and continue to help each other and make this this province in this country, you know, a great place to live. I like I have stories of, you know, op people on the opposite side of campaigns calling me and saying, "Hey, I see you haven't gotten all your signatures. Do you need us to come help?" Oh, right man. from the other side of the aisle. That's right? awesome, it's though. That's the way it should be. But that's the way it should be, right? And you know, it's we want to make sure you're on the ballot. I don't we don't want to win by default. Like it was trust me, it was in a very conservative writing. But having, you know, the conservative campaign manager call me and say, Is everything okay? Can we do anything to help? Let us know if you need us to come by. Right. Like that matters and that civility matters because our system yeah. is is supposed to make us better, and our opposition system is supposed to make it better it's supposed to provide yeah. a check and balance um 
not just provide opposition for the sake of opposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we've gotten very far away from that. The further that we, um, you know, uh, create this divide, um, the the further we get away from from that core concept of of a parliamentary democracy, and ultimately, um, I think that's why we're seeing young people not want to get involved because it's a it it from the outside it looks incredibly toxic. Yes, I think because <laughs> it is, you know, because it is right you know, now. It, yeah, it can, it, can, it can be, it can be. It, de- it you know, it depends on sort of the relationships you've forged um, across the aisle over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it looks worse in the media and on TV than it actually is. Yeah, but that's I all hope you, if so. If that's all you get to see, if that's well, all you get to see. It definitely is. It definitely is. But I, I also think something has changed drastically in the last 10 to 15 years, too. I know um, uh, 11 years ago, uh, when I would go to the Alberta Ledge to visit an MLA I knew or to uh, sit in on a question period, it it kind of reminded me a lot of the early days of pro wrestling, where they're out in the ring, slugging it out, doing pile drivers and head hammers and whatever else they call that stuff. But they're slapping each other's asses when they walk out of the ring. And that was kind of known, you know, like, yeah, they go into question period and there's going to be battles and there's going to be tough questions and uh, there might be some eye rolling, but you're also going to see some smiles. You're also going to see Brian, uh, Brian Mason ask a question that he's not really serious about. And you can tell by the way his eyebrows go up. You know, there was a lot of that happening. And then something 10 to 15 years ago, there was just this change. And what I find fascinating is um, the change in Alberta happened because of a war just amongst conservatives. Like it wasn't even about the left or progressives or anything. When it first started here in Alberta, it was the more centrist progressive conservatives versus the more hard right WRP. And when I think to be honest, to be honest, and I say this as someone who who grew up in a, in BC, let's be honest, the progressive conservative party wasn't particularly conservative. Not under Redford, it certainly wasn't. I mean, no. under Klein, under Klein, yeah, yeah, that wasn't a great time. Under Redford, I don't think it was that conservative. I would put their policies uh, probably you know, equal with the Liberal Party of Canada. <laughs> but I mean, I came from the BC Liberals, which was a more conservative party than oh. the rest of conservatives. Oh, right? well, we all knew that was just a mask Christy, Christy Clark was wearing. We knew that. <laughs> she, she's a real liberal. I'll tell you that. But, uh, uh, it's It was just, it was very funny to come from a party that said liberal that was further to the right than the party that said conservative on it. Yes. Um, it was a very confusing time in my life. <laughs> um, but as all of them are um but uh i think I, I think that time period where we started to see sort of that that war and that change really coincides with i would say the decline in our in in our our third and fourth parties in this province that's um, true too right yeah. it, all of these things sort of happened kind of together and as those parties declined, you see this shift to the left and to the right, to the to the more extremes, because um, the center 
will do what the center does, but you have to capture those sort of left and right yeah. sort of fringes in order to uh, to capture your your party's attention, your own party's attention. Um, and I don't know that there's been a lot of governing for, like there's been a lot of governing for the UCP. There was a point there where we, there was some government for, for the NDP, but there hasn't been a lot of government for Albertans. No, mm-hmm. I, I would agree with that actually. And now what would we say about, because I mean, on this topic, how how many of us have been saying for years that the Rachel Notley led NDP walked into the legislature, stepped into the PC shoes and carried on. It was quite status quo in, in a way that was shocking, I think, to most observers. They weren't ready. And, and, and I say that in, in, in the nicest way possible, there was no transition team in place they're like up until like the last, they weren't gonna, the last who, moment. Who thought they were going to form government? Really? No one. <laughs> right? No including, one. It, but including them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so when you see, when you look at like, you know, what we would expect to see in transition um, coming out of the 2015 election, there was no turnover in political appointments. There was like people who expected to get fired did not get fired. Right. Yeah. People who were who were political appointments in the ministries did not get fired. They just kept yeah. going. Um, and so very much um, there was no turnover because there was no transition team. So there was no list of people to replace them with. I was going to say, yeah, right? but also there's with the NDP never having been in government before. And I think I made this comment I don't know, a while ago. And I and I said, I'm not really giving the NDP super kudos about not having all of these political appointments and all this political staff available to them. Um, It's not that I think that they're super above that. It's that they were, they'd never been in government before and they hadn't built those, uh, that support base, that donor base, right? Like that, that comes after you're actually, (laughs) you know, you can form government. And so they didn't actually have that, that group, right? Like a lot of people looked at Jason Kenney bringing in people from Ontario to be in his inner circle there. Yet, you know, the NDP kind of, they ended up having to do the same thing because they didn't have the infrastructure in Alberta. They had to go to BC and Ontario and Saskatchewan and everywhere else in the country to get staff that, that, you know, that was NDP and that they could trust as being NDP staff, the people power did not exist for them. The The party apparatus didn't exist. That's and what it is. Yeah, it's the party apparatus really that wasn't there. And I think it was just, you know, I again, their win caught them as much surprise as, <laughs> right? as, as everyone else. <laughs> and so um, I think it, it just, they just weren't ready. Um, so do you in, think that that's why they, why everything kind of seemed to just be status quo because they weren't ready. And so one of the things that I've said before is that they, it felt to me like they were holding off, like holding back on their, you know, super NDPism because they were, because Alberta elects dynasties. And if they were to be the next dynasty, I kind of felt like it was possible. They were taking that four years to say, calm down, Mm. Alberta. We're not going, you know, we are not changing everything immediately. Like, you know, you can I, trust us. Something. I think no. you're, you're 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 subscribing a too charitable. I think I, so. I, it's not that it's. I, I mean, I think it's charitable. <laughs> I think you're giving. 
I think you're thinking that it's it was more purposeful than it was. Right. Like, exactly. Right. I think. Yeah. I think really the the truth of the matter was is that they didn't know who who to keep and who to fire, and they didn't have anyone to replace them, so they just didn't. Yeah, and I I also think there's a big difference, obviously, between uh, being the opposition and being government. It's really easy to protest and howl and shake your fist at the sky when you're in opposition. And then wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Well, now you're running the entire thing. And now that you're on the inside and and looking at the complexities of it and the nuances and the requirements, that's an entirely different story than standing on the outside criticizing. Yeah. And I, especially for a, a party that has had no experience in government in this province, that's, I mean, it's like building a brand new house, right? <laughs> you're... You're starting with an empty lot. And if if you don't already have the crew to to build the house, then you're gonna be struggling. Yeah. It's not and gonna it's just be gonna easy. take longer. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think you started to see that the NDP step into like really step into its own sort of a couple of years into their last mandate. Yeah, it's like so, year three, yeah. Yeah, it, it took a couple of years, you know, where where other where other party we're used to seeing parties sort of hit the ground running because they 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 have that transition team. And so someone's sort of working behind the scenes while the election's still happening and, and in the immediate aftermath to to really um get everything going. We saw that post-election. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And it even took them a year to figure out which pieces they needed to deal with. And so it just took them longer, and 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 typically, and, and we're very used to seeing, especially in this day and age in politics in Canada, uh, a team step in and already know, okay, these are the people we're firing, these are the people we're hiring. We are, mm-hmm. this is what we're doing. Um, this is the process we're going to follow. The, these are, this is our. Not only do we have these fifty policies, these are the ten we're doing in the first hundred days. Um, right. There was none of that prioritization. You know, night election night, twenty fifteen. As soon as the NDP realized they were winning, they pulled their policy off of their website. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That didn't. That, that wasn't unnoticed. It did not go unnoticed. <laughs> well, we yeah. also, you know, the NDP came into power, and like, God love them. I, I still don't think they did half as horrible as a job as some of the people in this province do. But they were also benches filled with. Very young, inexperienced MLAs, mm-hmm. and that's that's a bit of a burden in and of itself because some of them were barely out of pubescence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not saying that's a bad thing. No, I think but it we also need means more that you're learning people. to be yeah. exactly you're how to send an e- a professional email at the same time. You're also learning how to be an MLA yeah. and be part of this party. It's like and they- so. They've got to have an MLA training college at that point, you know, because it's brand new for so many of them. Every election, we get a couple new MLAs from whatever party. It it happens a lot. But when you have a couple new MLAs and then benches of experienced lifers, so to speak, then there's automatically mentors there. There's There's automatically guides. And the NDP did not have that because no one, no one 
had been a member of government prior to that moment. The party leader hadn't been a member of government. No one had. Right. So it was like they're walking out onto that, the battlefield unequipped. Most of them hadn't, and and most of them hadn't been MLAs at all. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, no one had been a member of government, but seventy five percent of them had never been an MLA. Yeah. And some of them were learning how to have their first professional job at the same time. So that's <laughs> right. just another layer. I I see this all the time with uh, young people coming into my own profession, where they're learning the law, but they're also learning how to be a professional and how to you know do the professional things at the yeah. same time. Yeah. Right. So you're learning all of these different things at the same time, and it's it's not to fault anyone. And I think we we need more people coming in. Um, with that fresh attitude absolutely it unjaded just, it, it just becomes difficult when it's your entire cohort <laughs> yeah <laughs> true so, okay, so do you think do you think that they are in a better position because yes we know it's super close in calgary i'm you know i know that that no one is saying minority government but well how do you have a minority with two parties uh Looks like they need another party elected. Yeah, see, and I'm not, <laughs> I know there's a lot of talk about Calgary and um, an orange wave. And the fact remains that they've got to get 20 seats in Calgary. Yeah. And the, the funniest part is it's my conservative friends who are saying to me, oh, no, they're going to do it. They're going to get the 20 seats in Calgary. And I say to them, show me the numbers. Like, show me where. Yeah. Because it's not coming up for me. And that goes right back to what we said about polling. Polling in this province right now isn't worth anything. Like, just ignore it and go knock on doors, people. Ignore the oh, polling. Entirely. Go do the work. Entirely. Because um, it, it, that's it, the it, other sign I need to get, Lindsay. It's what? Just, go do the work? No, go knock doors. Go knock, go knock doors. doors. <laughs> okay, so let's I run a, down. I have, a, I have a pin if you want it. <laughs> so let's run down a couple of things. We do we think she's going to drop the writ? Is she going to do it in the May time 1st. frame? Yeah, I, I think, think so. She's going to do it May 1st. I do too because uh just because of the way they're ramping up their messaging and their narrative right now and they're and they still faces. get the candidates together like they're getting almost their done. faces out a lot. So I have a question. Hmm. Deirdre and Lindsay, what do you think the number one issue is going to be in this election? Affordability. What is what is the fight going to be? Affordability. Affor- affordability. Affordability. Two of you for affordability. <laughs> well, I'm going to stick we- with what I said. What I predicted was that two or three weeks ago, Deirdre, when I said this is going to be the issue of this election and no one's on it yet. And I'm telling you it's going to happen. And then it happened this week. I think what's happening in our major urban centers is going to be the issue of this election, specifically in Calgary, because Calgary is where the UCP are trying to hold on. I think women will decide this election. And I think what's happening in our cities is is going to be a big part of that. So let's talk a little bit about what we saw this week with uh, the premier going hard on law and order. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, and so straight face. <laughs> oh my goodness! And I have I have in front of me actually. I, I grabbed my mail just before this, and I actually got a uh, 
I got a uh, a mailer. Yes. For the government for budget 2023. And I'll just read the front of it for you. Okay. Let's Staffing. hear it. Securing Alberta's future by investing in Calgary and surrounding communities. Yeah. Oh, and the topics on the back and the topics <laughs> on the back start with safe communities. Yeah. See? The UCP is out there saying, oh, we're going to give you more cops. Well, they were the ones who cut funding to our municipalities in the first place. That Specifically to police the budgets. They were the ones <laughs> who decided to close safe consumption centers. And that caused a lot of problems, too. Mm-hmm. So I... I really think, especially after what we've seen this week with Danielle Smith's, it wasn't Danielle Smith, it was Rebecca Schultz who um, had the presser. I think this is going to be a huge election issue. Which I find so interesting to hear as a woman who works downtown in Calgary, because we do not have these problems. Oh, really? Downtown Calgary is not as scary as downtown Edmonton. Downtown Edmonton's not not good now. I'm not saying it's perfect by any means, but in in no way do I feel like I am ever at risk. And I'm not, not exactly. I'm five one. uh, (laughs) And I don't exactly weigh a whole lot. Um, And I'm even thinking of that night, Lindsay, when I got my sign from you, we walked from a bar to, to your house and it was midnight ish. Right. And it was, it was not scary. I've been downtown Edmonton at 4.30 and been like, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I want to make sure that my doors are locked. Like, like it's, it's not, it's, it's very different. The lawyers, I know, um, women who are lawyers in downtown Edmonton who have always just walked to the courthouse yeah. for, mm-hmm. for, uh, chambers, they've just walked to the courthouse. They won't even do that anymore. They're saying we get an Uber. Even if the oh. Uber costs me 10 bucks, I'm taking an Uber because I've been harassed too many times. And it's not, people don't understand. Part of what's happening downtown isn't just, we're not just talking about people asking you for money. We're not just talking about the mess that our transit system has become. Women are being harassed constantly on the streets. I've experienced it. Several of my friends have experienced it. And it's doing harm to business. And it's doing major harm to how women occupy space in our downtown core. It's going to be a huge election issue. And I think it's it's a big enough issue right now that whichever party handles it correctly is going to have the leg up. And unfortunately, the UCP... I'm going to disagree. I'm going you to don't think so? There. <laughs> I don't think so. And this is why. And it's it, it goes back to the thing we just talked about. If Calgary is the battleground and we don't have this issue, it doesn't right. matter who comes out on top of this because if the if the votes are to be won here, we don't care. Right. Yeah, that actually makes if, sense. We are not experiencing this. I but it this could but I, it could hurt Edmonton. It could hurt NDP slightly in Edmonton by pushing more votes to the UCP. Well, except that she's not focusing on Edmonton. No, it's and very Calgary centric right yeah. now. She kind of mentions Edmonton, but she's making it sound they'll like be, they'll be split between Calgary and Edmonton. When Calgary I say is the focus. when I say she, I'm referring to Premier right. Danielle Smith. Yeah. <laughs> but when yeah. the premier but, is talking about uh, what's happening in Calgary, she's making it sound like apocalyptic. 
I know, which I find so ironic because <laughs> I, li- so I live and I work downtown. I walk everywhere. Um, and maybe and maybe I have a thick skin. I grew up in Vancouver. I'm very used to this kind of behavior. It's not. And, it's... and that's just not happening here, to be honest. And so I think it's interesting to hear from our current government that it is such an issue mm-hmm. that somebody apparently is experiencing. Well, and I always find it really interesting when people talk about the inner city like they know what's going on when they live, you know, I'm like, in well, the I, live in the, yeah. I live in the inner city. I, I work in the inner city, but I live in the inner city as well. And yeah. so for me, um, like I always, I always ask where people live when they, when they, they're, oh, this is such a big problem. These safe consumption sites. I'm like, cool. Where do you live? Because I live beside one. Yeah. yeah. And I am yeah. pro- pro safe consumption i'm see i'm totally pro safe consumption sites too i'm also from the west coast i lived in vancouver i lived basically across the street from heroin corner in an apartment in an apartment that like looked down on one of the most notorious parts of not just vancouver but of western canada But the difference between what I experienced there and what I've experienced in downtown Edmonton as of late is that in Vancouver, they, there was no harassment. Like we respected their space. They respected our space. If we could do something for them, we would drop off some blankets, leave out, you know, here's some food for you. Here's some Tim Hortons gift cards. We were never bothered. When I tell people I lived on East Hastings in Vancouver, they look at me like I'm outside my mind. I'm like, oh, I know. It I was know. cheap and there's no conflict. They weren't bothering us. They weren't harassing us and we didn't yeah. harass them. That's part of the reason why when you see these clear outs on the news that they're doing in Vancouver, why Vancouver residents are so upset because it's different. They There is not harassment. But what we're seeing in downtown Edmonton is outright harassment, assault. Uh, There's violent crime is is on the rise in downtown Edmonton. It's an entirely different issue that we're facing. Uh, Part of that problem is the closure of safe consumption sites. Mm -hmm. And do you think, and and to follow up on that, do you think that it has anything to do with to be honest, our lack of dealing with mental health issues. Oh, absolutely it is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely it is. And every I, we all have trauma as a society mm-hmm. right now. COVID, for lack of a better term, COVID fucked us all. Like we had stress because of COVID, anxiety. We were lost in this sort of space of doubt for a good full two years. And then we're, we're slowly coming out of it but there's still a lot of disagreement about how we should be handling at this point is it endemic is it still a pandemic covid's not over we've all got collective trauma as a society and trying to find our way through that with all the the crises that have piled up while we've been trying to deal with covid is not great either Mm -hmm. No, and I think it's 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 caused a lot of people who may have, without that collective trauma, been okay to dip below the okay line, yeah. and 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 a lot of people haven't been able to dig themselves out. Yeah, um, and I think when you when you look at you know issues like um, 
interest rates rising and inflation rising, it's not making it any better for anybody. Um, I find it ironic, um, and maybe it's just me, um, that both our provincial and our federal government, so conservative and liberals, have decided that the way to help people out of inflation is to hand out money, which, by the way, causes more inflation. Exactly. (laughs) It's not (laughs) going good, people. It's not. The the irony is that the thing they're trying to do to help anytime they hand out these this money for you know these wide swaths of 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 handouts, it's making it worse. Well, and I'm angry about it because I think it's still just another bailout of of um corporations, big corporations. That's what pisses me off the most. Oh, so you're going to give me more money so I can pay for the inflated prices from Food Guy, who's just going to raise the prices again. Canada's benefit program during COVID that helped with, you know, CERB and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, despite all of that, Canada has the least uh, amount of inflation, yet Canada was the most helpful. Like a lot of our inflation right now, too, is being caused by, and again, back to COVID, but it's it's supply chain issues. It's it's the fact that there are things that actually were not produced for yeah. periods of time during the pandemic. Um, but you know we've there's still labor shortages too. There are so mm-hmm. so there's yeah. a whole bunch of things that are that are contributing to this. Um, and you know you can't just it's it's absolutely correct. You can't just print money and expect it to be useless or useful. Mm-hmm. But it was you know those were. The, the programs that came out were pretty targeted, right? If you could keep your job, well, they're willing to give your company money so that you can keep your job, right? Like there was a whole no, no, bunch no. of things that, but I think they did a fairly decent job and our benefit. And I'm not, not I'm not knocking any of that. What I'm, <laughs> yeah. what I'm talking about specifically now is the our money. Our $400 payment that's coming. Yeah you know, the affordability payments. And someone once told me that rent subsidies, when those are, when government rent subsidies are increased, what happens is the landlords raise rents because they're like, oh, well, you know, we've got to afford more now. You can afford more because the government is giving you more. So again, though, that doesn't seem to be a, that doesn't seem to be a a people problem or a government problem. Let me see. Let me see. Who, what, what, what's the problem there? (laughs) Anyone? Anyone? Bum, bum, bum.